Greetings, your wish has been granted. It's a new episode of Dies to Removal, and we are talking Commander Legends, specifically Vince. I have not gotten to speak to you about this yet, and I'm really curious your thoughts. We've seen one week now of Commander Legends previews. We have one week to go. Has Commander Legends ruined Commander yet, or will it next week? What are your thoughts? Or is that an overreaction? What a question. For the record, by the way, me and Brian have literally not talked about the set. We've seen, we have we've seen each other's tweets and we might have seen each other's thumbnails or, or whatever, but no, no actual talking. Um, has it ruined Commander? Uh, I'm going to go with a no. Um, I kind of... I was kind of... I was going into expecting it to. We'll come to more of that of why in a moment. But I'm saying no. Are we on the same page for this? Is that a boring podcast if we are, Brian? I'll, I'll be honest with you. So if you remember when we talked about Modern Horizons, uh, viewers will remember I was actually, that episode, I got a lot of criticism that I was uh, excessively negative and I stand by my negativity over Modern Horizons. And I was so scared and so afraid that Commander Legends is going to drop and all we're going to see is busted, broken, format warping, everything you ever wanted in Commander, but too far, you know, genie granting your wish, but too far, ah, connection cards. And then I said to myself, yesterday in the morning, I said, boy, when I speak to Vince, I'm going to say my fears were not founded. This set looks like a lot of fun, good commander cards. Power levels are mostly in check. There might be one or two that are a little too pushed, but otherwise I love what I see. And then bam, last night they dropped Jeweled Lotus and everybody lost their collective minds. Uh, we're going to talk about Jeweled Lotus specifically, but besides that card, which I think is in a category of its own and warrants yeah. its own isolated discussion, if we push that card aside, I honestly, from everything I've seen in Commander Legends, I'm seeing some push, I'm seeing some power, but overwhelmingly, a lot of these cards really do feel like what the set is supposed to be. Fun, goofy Commander mm -hmm. cards that are not necessarily format warping and that create really fun build around effects. For example, the Cobalt. Yeah, it's amazing. Rograth, son of Ragra, or, or I don't speak Cobalt. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, but it's a zero one for zero legendary Cobalt warrior with first strike menace, trample and partner. This is not a broken card. Maybe someone will find a way to break this card. And if they do, more power to them. But that is exactly what Commander is supposed to be. Taking a dumb, goofy card and finding a way to maybe break it. And, and I really feel that a, there's a lot of cards like this in the set. Uh, Crack the Thumbless is another red example. of Yeah, card's amazing. This card's amazing, but not amazing... To be clear, not amazing in like, oh, this is just ridiculous, overpowered. It's amazing in, I dare I say it, fun? Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, this is the thing with the commander is that like to sell commander packs, they don't need to give you cards that allow you to go to an event and stomp someone. Like right. Horizons, the problem with it was if you want cards that affect modern, they have to be top of the metagame. They have to be better than Tarmogoyf, Liliana of the Veil and Snapcast. It's like a bar that's really high, right? So they have to give you cards that are so pushed that they will probably break things and lo and behold, they broke things, right? And we've, and we've seen this time and again recently with standards and stuff. I think Commander, if they are 
careful with it. They don't have to do that because people get excited for Cobalt Commanders. People were upset they couldn't play Lutri because it was an Otter. Not because of its effect, just simply because it's an Otter. Same for um, Quark as well. Like Seeing Quark and seeing other like named characters, um, um, like well, we've seen a Kadama card before, but another Kadama and stuff, seeing those characters come up is awesome. And I think players in Commander, can those things resonate with them because it's about theme and flavour and, and more memes and jokes and banter between your friends than it is about going to a GP and like day twoing or making cash or whatever. These cards don't do that. Obviously, there are people who are pushed towards the competitive side of things. So yeah, I was scared going into this, but the more I see of it, the more it feels like that with a couple of exceptions. Yes, and we'll, we'll get to those exceptions in a moment. But I, I, I will say this, is that I don't think, I, I, I feel like I'm going to just get right into, this is the only thing I'm going to say on Jeweled Lotus until the whole discussion on it, but I'm going to say we don't need cards like Jeweled Lotus to sell packs of Commander Legends. What we need is an elderly turtle wizard shaman who uh, has a goofy effect and really funny artwork, and, and that's going to sell packs. What you need is a Rakdos comedian devil imp. Uh, 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 what you need is an elderly tree folk who was from Lorwyn and was named in flavor text but never had a card. What you yeah. need is a, a guy who's afraid of amphibioids attacking and is an amphibiologist. Uh, what you need is the Innistrad lost black-white angel. So the only thing about Lisa that I'm thinking straight away from first impressions, by the way, is that I'm going to hear a lot of she hits someone in Commander at a table and people are going to say things like, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. And I'm going to be like, oh God, that joke gets old. But beyond that, like um, the thing you said about like having the flavorful things and the silly things, like I think they're two almost separate audiences from like Magic in a, in a way, because we've had it before where they talked about how Time Spiral Block was A, too complicated from a mechanical perspective, and B, the references were too obscure. But with Commander Legends, we've got a bit of that as well. It's not complex from a mechanical perspective, but some of these references are really obscure. Like, as an entrenched, like, enfranchised magic player, I'm learning all sorts of stuff, like, uh, Bell, be the Bell, the Corrupted Observer, and other things that are apparently from the Weatherlight Saga and stuff that I had no idea ever existed. I'd never noticed them. Yeah. So, so I think that's that's one way you can attract, like, you know, the, your, your enfranchised nerd. And like you said, the other way is just having, like, generally comedic or silly things that people want to then build and play like power level doesn't have to be the way you push things although that kind of is wizards like normal mo at the moment so maybe they know better than we do brian maybe they've got the sales records to back it up that pushing the power level is the way to sell stuff maybe maybe i i just maintain that uh you don't need to be having that must-have card in order to sell commander packs in particular and i think that just having all of these interesting new legendary creatures uh, I also think that maybe the fact that we can sell nostalgia and Magic the Gathering so much better now is that with the internet, it makes it so much more interesting. Whereas where Time Spiral yeah. came out, nobody could really find these references. And now everybody just needs to type in a name into Google or listen to a Vorthos <laughs> podcast and, and learn all of this stuff. And it makes it so much more exciting. Yeah, because um, the other thing, I guess, as well, is like, like 80s, 90s retro revival is more of a thing now. Like, nostalgia is a big thing, like, with TV and video games and everything. So I guess, yeah, going for that, like, early 90s nostalgia plus the ability to, like, find this stuff out from the internet. Yeah, I guess maybe they should then release good quality audiobooks now with all the old characters and make a bit of money off that. But that's a whole different topic, I guess. That is a whole different topic. But I hadn't thought of it that way. I hadn't thought that Time Spiral was ahead of its time, almost. Time Spiral being the set that we're looking into the past was ahead of its time in terms of, like, marketing to nostalgia, right? Because that's definitely a thing that they're doing more and more in popular culture. 
Well, it's interesting though that we're doing Time Spiral too. And so for all of its quote unquote failures, now apparently is the time to revisit that premise. So I, I am in this regard glad to see that Wizards is willing to look at old decisions that they made where they said this set made mistakes, didn't sell well, wasn't popular, we're not doing it again, and now say maybe we can do it right. Maybe that means anything small from we can return to Kamigawa to something large like we can get rid of the reserve list. But those are other episodes. That was a leap. That was a, that was a jump from uh, Kamigawa to the reserve list. I love it, but it was one hell of a leap. <laughs> What is bothering you in terms of power level so far besides Jeweled Lotus? Opposition Agent was an early spoil that everybody is freaking out about. In thinking about Opposition Agent over the last few days, I think that this is a card that is very, very close to the brink, but not going over it which means that it's not quite Leovold levels. But to me, it's very reminiscent in some ways of what, what made Leovold ban-worthy in Commander. Basically, the short of it is, is this shuts down tutors. And I think yeah. that's an interesting idea. I, I, I kind of wish maybe that they had just said this shuts down tutors because what it does is the element that you flash it in and and screw them up with their tutoring is what I think makes this too far for me. So the idea is is kind of notion thief level, right? But like it's it's so Leovold was banned worthy because it was a legendary as well. So you go in the command zone, which this can't. Uh, Leovold also gave you access to three different colors, and it drew you cards when you removed them. So it always replaced itself. There's a, there's a lot of things of Leovold that makes it way better than Opposition Agent. Um, Opposition Agent, I'm a bit fearful that it's efficiently costed, so it might make an impact on Legacy. Uh, the bits that bugs me is like you said, shutting down tutoring isn't a new thing. Like I think is it Stranglehold? The Red Enchantment can do that, and I know more more my style is Leonona Arbiter and Avon Mindsense and all these white effects that do that. What bugs me is that white kind of lost this hate bear effect and they gave it to black. I mean, it's not outside of black's wheelhouse. Like Ashiok did it before, and stealing things with Gontes and Praetor's Grasp and stuff is within black's color pie. But it's very strange that this was on like a hate bear body that white would normally get. The the, the getting something out of it is, I think it's very cool because whilst Notion Thief ETBs, not ETBs, is in play, and then if someone is like, um, not May triggering, but getting card draws off of Git Rogs or Tatiovas, whatever, you just you just get them, right? This card, it will flash in, it will steal the thing they're shooting for at the time, whether it be a fetch land cracking or a far seat going off or demonic tutor, you'll get the thing at the time, and then after that, people will stop casting their tutors or they will fail to find. Because most. Even forced searches like Ghost Quarters and Path to Exile say you may. Field of Ruin, interestingly, doesn't. And that gets you three lands out of three different people's decks. So that's a good one. But the majority of things just won't work with it. So a lot of people are thinking this card is oppressive and broken and going to get you so much card advantage and all this sort of stuff. And in reality, it just lets the text steal one thing from one person and people can't search until it's dead. And if right. you're playing, and this is, this is the thing that people are going to hate me saying, but play some interaction. Like, if you're scared of a 3-2 for, uh, for 3, then that's probably your problem more so than the power creep of the game. But I do think it will show up in Legacy. I said earlier in the week it might be uh, warping of the format. I think it's going to be that, like, uh, there will be a bug days wasteland deck. So I think this card will make some waves in Legacy. By waves, I mean it'll become a bit player somewhere. So that's kind of exciting more so than fear-mongering. The thing that is fear, which started to strike the fear to me is that it reminds me of Plague Engineer from Modern Horizons, to cycle back to our Modern Horizons conversation. Plague Engineer is not like uh, dominant in Legacy, but its existence pushed out True Name, which is a good thing. But it also hurt Goblins, it hurt Elves, all these different random decks that now feel quite 
rough to play because a plague engineer. So I was thinking, what if Green Suns? Uh, this is Green Suns if goes away. Do you see what I mean? Like, but maybe I should stop being old man shout at clouds and let the older formats grow and evolve and change. But that's the only card in the entirety of Commander Legends so far where I'm like, it's efficient mana wise to affect other formats. And of course, none of this stuff is legal in modern. For people who are watching who aren't aware, modern is never affected by this. Standard is never affected by this. It's only legacy and vintage. And that's the only card where I think that could be good enough to be see play. But everything else, I'm like. For Commando, I'm like, yeah, there's some strong stuff, but nothing makes me, like, wretch. <laughs> like, you know, e even the Lotus. Um, although I have got one card I want to mention. I want to ask you how you feel about, the, come back to the Kadama, right? The, the the last tree partner card that gives you freebies, right? It's it's, it's, it's a six-mana, six-six legendary spirit. Uh, when it uh, when another permanent enters the battlefield under your control, if it wasn't put onto the battlefield with this ability, you may put a permanent card equal or less than that card's mana cost into play. So for everything you cast, a 6-6 six, six creature, you get a 5-5 five, five out of your hand and so forth. It gives you a one-sided show and tell or sneak attack effect for free. And the worst bit of it, that, I think that's okay on a commander, but it's a partner. So you get this kind of very powerful effect that you've never seen before on a partner. And I think partners should be worse than non-partners, right? But I feel like Kadama is better than a lot of non-partner commanders. It's crazy. Yeah, I actually have a lot of problems with this card. And one of the first problems about it simply is, is that it represents the new trend in creatures where it's like VCR instructions to read them. Uh, this is just such an in intense amount of what this does, what this creature does. And it, it's, it's all upside, it's all upswing. And when you attach partner to it, uh, partner is a returning uh, mechanic that I'm very frustrated on. I don't like partner because I feel that it essentially is getting around the premise of commander, that you have one commander and you have to work within the confines of that commander. But now with partner, you can have two commanders. And now with more partners, there's even more options. And the question starts to become, why aren't you just partnering this with another partner commander? Because of of of, of the upside, you can add green and green cards in your deck and this wonderful uh, 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 ability to your deck just by attaching this to a partner commander. It's it's definitely the sort of commander card I wish they weren't making because this is an example of the difference between I'm trying to find a way to make this work in commander versus Wizards of the Coast looking at me and saying, hey, this is going to work great in commander, which is what I wish they would not do. Do you know what I do love? Like you're saying, uh, well, you said like new card design, especially green creatures. Green creatures are always like a paragraph of writing now, question beast and so on. My favourite part is when you're reading them. So when you first see a card, you're like, I'm going to read through it. And as you're reading it, it's like a story. You're thinking in your head, where's the downside? You're waiting for the, it costs you life or something, right? And you keep reading and then you get to partner at the end. It's like a plot twist. You're like, oh, it was a happy ending in the end. This card is just outright just good all the way down. And that's, that's all green creatures now, right? There's never a downside for getting all this wonderful text. I don't think you need cards like this to sell packs of Commander Legends. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I want you to compare this card now to a, a, a noticeably worse card that is much more in my favor. Yurlock of the Scorch Thrash. This is everything that we should be doing. Yurlock of the Scorch Thrash is a generic, a black, a red, and a green for a legendary via Shanu Shaman. That's a 4-4. It's got Vigilance. A player losing unspent mana causes that player to lose that much life. In other words, it brings back Mana Burn. I'm glad you mentioned it. I was so excited for this card because of the, the Mana Burn thing. So good. That's not all. You can spend one generic to make sure each player adds a black, a red, and a green Jundum 
to their mana pool, meaning that they're gonna have to figure out how to spend that mana or they're gonna take mana burn. You can do this during your turn. You can do this during an opponent's turn. I love that there isn't a play this anytime, you know, like 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 condition yeah. sort of thing. So you, you're, you, you, you have a possibility of bolting everybody for three, essentially, because it's very hard sometimes to spend mana uh, uh, during, you know, if you do this at the right time, you can ensure that. There's so much, my head is just exploding with ways in which I want to put, like, mana flare in my deck. I want to do all kinds of things uh, to create the, 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 the mana burn deck. This is not a card that Wizards has handed to me and said, this will be great in Commander. This is a card that Wizards has handed me and said, here, figure out what to do with this. And and I go, yes, indeed I will, Watsy. Yes, indeed I will. And I will have a blast doing it. Same thing with the Kobold we mentioned. It, it, it's exactly what Commander needs to be and should be. And the difference between this card, I love that it doesn't have Partner. I love that it, yeah. you don't need partner. You don't, it, yeah. it, it's it's a terrible card in a lot of ways. This is a terrible card. It's brilliant. No, I, I don't think it's terrible. I think this is like um, the sweet spot. This is, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it because it actually slipped my mind to talk about this. Like some of these cards are silly. Like, I, well, Chaos is pretty good. But Yurlok is the sweet spot of what I would like to see from Commander product, right? It's a, it's a relatively efficient board. It's a 4-4-4-4. Four, 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 so no one's going, oh, I've got to play a 2-2 two, two that dies to every removal spell. So you don't feel bad for playing it. It's got a random word stuck on it like Vigilance. That's nice. But then, yeah, it's a callback to an old thing. So it hits that nostalgia itch. But it's a callback to an old thing that is functional and does something. And like you said, gives you a puzzle to solve. So you can go away and look at your cards and look at your folders and figure out how to play with it. And then, it's, yeah, it's got an ability that then plays into that as well. It takes all the boxes, and most importantly, it hasn't got partner. Because I would have assumed that a lot of these things would just have partner for the sake of it these days. So I'm glad they aren't doing that with everything. There's only a few of them that seem just like really good for partner commanders. But I think Yorlock is literally the sweet spot. I don't think it's terrible at all. I think it's pretty good, but not like gross. Although some players might say it's unfun to play against. But that's a whole different conversation that we'll come on to with... Uh, <laughs> well, is that a point we have now? There's a lot of things people complaining about the Black Planeswalker, Brian, and how it's not fun to play against because of the ultimate and stuff like that. Like, where do you fall on this, where people are already complaining about cards in the format not being something they'll let at their table? This is not even out yet. People haven't even cracked packs yet, Brian, and people are trying to like house ban cards of being unfun, and I kind of hate that. Uh, I don't mind people house banning cards because that's kind of the the, the way to do commander. Uh, I I have a problem with people making death threats on the rules committee or or other nasty things. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I don't mind somebody saying. I, I actually think that's that's very healthy for someone to, to if you're able to look at a card like Tevish Sat and say. I dislike this card. My playgroup dislikes this card. Me and my playgroup all said to each other, hey, are, are we okay just saying this card is banned because we've got decks that it would really be great in, but we don't really like the effect that that would have in terms of an arms race. And 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 I, I think that's just fine. It's called talking to your friends and having fun. Sure, well, sure. But I don't think that the discussion starts at spoiler season because it's just way too early. Like, there are so many what people... What do you care what banning... I do with my playgroup? Well, I, I don't, as long as your playgroup's having fun. So I'm not trying to police what your playgroup is doing, but it I sounds think... sounds like you're about that... to now, uh, now, now continue Absolutely policing not. what I no, do. I'm gonna, now go no, on I'm and gonna... police it. Go on and police no, it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to... It's Brian, too I'm soon. To without, I'm trying to talk without you talking over me, but that's uh, proving difficult. Um, the Opposition Agent, for example, is a card that everyone is clamoring to ask the Rules Committee to ban and House ban and all this jazz, but in reality it's just a card that interacts with your deck in some way. I think... 
I think perhaps because of the culture we're in where Wizards of the Coast are like, we'll just ban stuff. Who cares? We'll just print powerful stuff and ban it. We're getting to this point in Commander now where everyone wants everything to be banned all the time. And even cards that they don't enjoy. And I can guarantee you, someone else in your playgroup before wants to play his five mana mythic planeswalker partner card and i think you should give people time to do that if it becomes oppressive and it ruins your playgroup have that conversation of course that's the point of a social game right but i think just being like no i don't like it because i don't like my toys being stolen because of control magic or i don't like it because it's turning off my tutors it's just i don't know it feels like people throw their toys out of the pram way too early before they've even played with the cards or played with their friends or even talked to their friends i think there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions going on so i get that conversations are healthy but i think it's so early and so knee-jerk it's crazy I think that it's been a rough two years, Vince, and <laughs> that that it's been a rough two years, and if people are freaking out when they see what appears to be an incredibly powerful card at first look, that they're a little jumpy because there's been a history, and it makes sense to me. Uh, I am definitely someone who advocates that take a breath, calm down, especially with Commander, but I also recognize that uh, Wizards really does operate under this premise of we want to wow them, we want to push the cards now. And that I think we're seeing two worlds here. I think there are a lot of cards in here that are, are really what a, a, a true focusing on the game and gameplay experience first and foremost uh, would be. And then we also have that other philosophy, the more competitive philosophy that you want to keep away from Commander, which is what are ways we can push things? What are ways we can do things that aren't being done that are uh, in a competitive sense that allow you to get spells like Opposition Agent? And I think we've got two ideologies at war in this one set. I don't know if I, I... I agree that that ideology definitely can be seen in other sets, but I don't know if this set feels that way yet. Because the, the most two powerful things they printed so far, arguably, in my opinion, are like Najila, which is a reprint from Battlebond, and Vampiritu, which is a reprint from, like, well, which is Eternal Masters. Like, I don't feel that the power level of any of these cards is pushed to a gross level. I just, I don't, I just don't... Well, but, but again, I'm also very open to letting people play with the cards that they open and play with and not telling people they can't play in a certain way and stuff, you know? Sure. So I, maybe, I, I'm, maybe I'm too laid back about my commander experience to, to care enough about a scary rare or something. Uh, it's, it's more that I think that when you look at a card like Kadama of the East Tree, I like to ask the question, when I think of commander... I like to ask the question, what does this add to the game as a whole or my deck specifically that enriches it or that was missing or that does something interesting? Or does this just make it so that we have a kind of a brute power on some aspect that, that is pushing us closer to the edge of a cliff, let's say, of, of, of the CEDH cliff, perhaps, or just the very competitive, powerful cliff. And when I look at that card like Kadama or, uh, you know, Jeweled Lotus, which we'll get to in a minute, or, or many of these other cards, I see it as this is just a kind of raw power, all good stuff, all upswing, but it isn't really giving my deck, this isn't giving green decks something they needed. Green decks didn't need this. This this wasn't, this is not adding a new style of play. This isn't adding a new style of fun. This isn't adding me new opportunities. I, I would argue it's possibly even restricting them. 
And so that's that's the ideology I see. I just see it as as so fundamentally different than when you look at Rograth the zero one cobalt. Yeah, I guess I guess so. Although Rograth was a zero one cobalt, I've just realized sitting here listening to you it's actually probably going to be legacy playable in the Cobalt deck because there's a deck that wants to play as many zero-drop creatures as possible. Yep. I hadn't even realised. And he's he's strictly better than any other zero-drop, barring perhaps Memnite being a 1-1 one, one, than has ever been printed before with the First Strike and the Haste and stuff. Yeah, well, he's so, got First Strike, Menace, and Trample. Strength so is relative. So how can you not see that as power crap then? Hey, that's because I'm not a val- I'm not. A, I don't give a damn what this does. Much like Wizards of the Coast, I don't give a damn what this does to Legacy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's funny that it's got all this keyword soup on it, but no one, no one's sharing about the power creep of zero drops. It's pretty funny. But um, yeah, so you, you advocate for that conversation to be happening at this point. I, I think people should play with cards first before they lose their minds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we've already mentioned some of the mythics. We talked about like like Najila as a reprint, and we talked briefly about Tevezat and the reprints of Imperial Tutor. Uh, I just want to briefly touch upon the fact that Seraphic Greatsword, the only white mythic we've got so far, I believe. Yes. How that card is, it's okay. I'd, I'd play it in a draft. Um, I don't think it'd make any cuts for any of my decks elsewhere any time in Commander. And it just feels so weak and kind of poor compared to all the other mythics we've seen so far. Not only in terms of like playability, but in terms of like cool, splashy effect. So I'm saying, Brian, like, do you think we're going to get the much-promised powerful white cards this set? Or is that it? Is Seraphic Greatsword the promised powerful white cards? I don't know. I really like Court of Grace. It's uh, two generic double white enchantment. When Court of Grace enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. If you're the monarch, create a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying instead. You don't feel that's powerful? I feel that's incredibly no, powerful. I think, I think that's busted. I think right, that's I think but- very good powerful. busted. I think it might, it, it's borderline playable again in Legacy, because if you play this as a control deck, we're well, not going to lose them. I'm not even joking. You slam it, you've now got two cards drawn every turn, you're making a body every turn. That body's a 4 4. In a 2v, a 1v1, 20 life total thing, 4 4s get the job done. But it annoys me that we, like, people are like, oh, there's the card drawn, Monarch again. Like, at the moment, Opposition Agent has taken the Staxi Bear stuff away from White. The new turtle thing is, like, Soltai colors, and it stops, it's Staxi. It, if it's tapped, things come to play tapped. If it's untapped, things can play untapped. Basically that. And White's always been the ETB tap thing, right? Thalias and Kismets and stuff. That's been taken away. And then we're like, oh, we can get card draw, but only on Monarch again. I get it. I understand that they say that card draw would make white too powerful Ari has been on an episode of this show and said it'd be too powerful in 1v1 this isn't 1v1 this is a multiplayer draft format for multiplayer commander like where are the splashy things that draw your card to get you advantage that card is very powerful I agree it definitely is I mentioned it earlier I like it but I'm still thinking the white cards just they kind of suck and we're losing part of our color pie to other colors it's crazy yeah, it's interesting that the color pie seems to mean less and less as we go on. This is a problem that makes me think of my old game, Gemstone 3, which I love. It was an old mud. I still play it. It's still around. I have a video on it. Check it out. But one of the problems in Gemstone 3 was that you had all these different classes, warrior, wizard, sorcerer, uh, cleric, and there were things that each class could do that other classes couldn't, lots of them. But as time went on, 
players started complaining that, oh, well, you know, like all uh, uh, wizards have all the teleport spells and this is just so irritating that you become a high level sorcerer and you can't teleport and clerics are the only ones that can uh, uh, raise the, the a fallen player and this and that. And as time went on, bit by bit, they started bleeding over things to try and make it so that the classes were more just flavors that you wore, but that mechanically speaking, you could more or less accomplish what the other classes could with some restriction. And I feel that we're seeing that in Commander. It's like whenever oh, I hear someone whining about, oh, well, well, quite frankly, white doesn't get card draw, Vincent. Uh, uh, I, I feel like, well, maybe white doesn't do that. Uh, maybe there are things, you, you know, we've got, we've got black destroying enchantments now. This is just, mm -hmm. it's cats and dogs. Cats exactly. and dogs. Exactly. So you're telling me you can't draw cards. Fine. Give me a card advantage engine. I guess that thing does draw cards and give me a card advantage engine. So I guess Call of Grace does dismantle my point a little bit. But all the other things that white does are going to other colors. You said the color party means less and less. Uh, it is. Gonna, and that's because I'm players gonna, no, no, don't no. like that. I'm going to correct you. It, it means more and more to blue and green. Right? And to except black. Red, and red's got some stuff recently, but it doesn't get anything new. Well, yeah, it's more and more to the bug colors, honestly. That's what yeah. it means. Also, what you mentioned happened in D&D &D as well. Like for people who are watching or play D&D, &D, there's a lot of arguments that warriors couldn't do anything at a high level. They're just strong and hit stuff. So over the course of D&D's improvements over time, they've given them, you know, martial powers and all this sort of stuff. And then there's yeah. a bleed over and things like that. I get, I get it. It's to balance things out. Kind of, I guess I'm the warrior. The white players are the warriors in magic. And we're like, give us some more stuff. They're like, no, shut up, warriors. And they took the cleave spell away and gave it to green. You're like, oh, God, damn it. It, it is interesting so. that for a game that just a few years ago, but then again, this is where it all started was a few years ago. It felt like things like the color pie were so sacrosanct, were just so important. And that now when you do look at legendary turtle shaman, what? How is that Sultai? How does that make any sense that that is in Sultai colors? Eh. And I think it just comes down to it feels like the picture of a turtle would be Sultai and that they're doing that more. I really, no, no, you laugh. No, I agree. I, sure. I, I think agree. they're just doing it. We saw this with the, with, uh, here we go with the dang walking dead cards, but Rosewater of all people was saying like, well, yeah, what, what Glenn does is not really blue white, but the character's blue white and it's just so like it's, it, so it's oh, it's it's top God. it's top down design right when we say top down design we mean you you think of uh the invisible man and then you figure out what he would do mechanically and where he'd be in the color pie it's kind of those conversations your friends have like where is batman in the color pie and i like those yeah combos, but but, but it does erase some of the gameplay aspect when white can't keep things tapped now and, I, and the thing the thing that bugs me the most i think it's like why does it tap things? It's blue. Like blue does everything. Blue does literally everything. If it doesn't do it at the moment, it's directly kill stuff. And I'm sure that's only the one or two sets off. But, I was yeah. stuck in an airport with Mark Rosewater once and we were chatting, oh, waiting sorry. for our plane. No, no, he's lovely. I'm, he's I'm, a lovely I'm joking. Man. I'm joking. I like Mark. But we, we, were, we were stuck in the airport and he went on this epic. It must have been 15 minutes solid. And that's a long time rant about how he disliked spells like Path to Exile as they violated what White was supposed to do in terms of removal, and that White was supposed to lock you up, but you have the chance of escaping, and so he despised Path to Exile. He didn't like that they kept reprinting it in the Commander precons at the time, oh, and he went on and, on and on and on and on and on and on and on about it, and I thought, wow, this guy really 
knows and cares about the color identity and pie to such a fine-tuned extreme. And it made me feel, even though I like Path to Exile in white and like it reprinted uh, in the Commander Precons, because at the time I liked it in modern to go down in price. Uh, and so I was definitely happy for that. But I it made me feel with confidence that there's going to be this idea at the mothership of keeping these things in check. And now it just feels like, yeah, the turtle's salty. Make him salty. He's a turtle. That, that, that anecdote now has confirmed, this is tinfoil hat time, right? Everyone get, get your tinfoil hats out in the comment section. That's confirmed to me now that someone on the inside of Wizards is like, take things away from the white color pie. It doesn't like Path to Exile. It's like, it's one of the one things they've got is this unconditional, un it's unconditional exile removal, but you, you get something back for it because they're going off to till the land or to leave the country or whatever, right? Take that away. Take the tapping away. God, that's it. Mark Rosewater. That's the reason the erosion of the color pie is happening. It's Mark Rosewater. You heard it here first. Brian even confirmed it. Don't, please don't. Please don't tag <laughs> me and Mark with that. Please. Don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't just, do that. Just laugh at this bit. Laugh at this bit and move on with your lives. Don't yes, tag anyone. Do that one. Don't abuse anyone. Just go, oh, that was a funny sardonic comment. Because it was with sarcasm. Let's, we're getting to this point where you got you got to like have... We're going to have to have little um, apostrophes at the bottom of the screen, Brian, saying when we're being sarcastic or not. Anyway, next mythic. Well, I guess it's time to talk about the Jeweled Lotus in the room. Uh, Jeweled mm. Lotus. This card is very, very interesting in that I think that it is having the exact opposite effect they had hoped it would have. Uh, there are definitely some people who are excited by it, but I would say that it appears those people are in the minority. I think that this card was a big mistake. I do not believe this card is broken. I do not believe this card will break Commander. I do not believe this card is pay to win. I do not believe any of those things. I think that this card, however, represents what people don't want in Commander. I think this card does not add to or improve Commander. And I think that this card intensifies negative feelings about both Commander gameplay and Wizards of the Coast stewardship of the Commander format. And those are the criteria that I list for this card being a mistake. And so I, I hope that this nuanced approach is not seen as fence sitting. I don't think it's the end of Commander. I don't <laughs> think it's broken. I don't think this is an I win card. But I, I just think when you ask the question again, it, it just reminds me of what I was asking earlier. What does this give us that we needed? Mm -hmm, and okay. it's like, it yeah. doesn't give us anything. What And and people, all the people complaining about this, this, there are so many games where this is an underpowered or dead card, but the 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 even just the 10% of the time that this card lets you jam out a, a, a Commander on turn one or two, uh, it creates just such bad feels that it, it astonishes me that any need was felt for this. I understand them trying to do the functional reprint of Wheel of Fortune or get the Wheel of Fortune uh, effect. That makes sense. Wheel does something that decks want to do. And the rising price of Wheel of Fortune on the reserve list incentivizes, hey, is there a way we can find a way to make a Wheel of Fortune for Commander? And I think they could have done a slightly better job, actually, with a functional... Re I, I wish that instead of Jeweled Lotus, that the Wheel of Fortune reprint hadn't been as crazy complex as it is, and that they had just said, if you're playing Commander, this is Wheel of Fortune... <laughs> you know, uh, uh, or, or something like that. I think a lot of people have said a great way around the reserve list for commander is to say, 
if Wheel of Fortune isn't in your deck and you're playing Commander, then this card is Wheel of Fortune or yeah. something like that. I don't know. That's pushing it. But I, what I mean like, is, is that Wheel does something. Jeweled Lotus is just feel bad. Wheel is gameplay. Jeweled Lotus is I'm maybe I'm going to jam out a win. Like um, when I guess if people are wondering, I guess when I don't I don't want to get into too much detail about like the the ups and downs of the gameplay of the of the Lotus. I've done an entire video talking about very much the gameplay of it today, talking about when it's good and when it's bad. And with I, for the record, I think it's not busted at all. And I think people are over exaggerating, but I do have to agree I, I, with what you're saying. And one user yesterday on Twitter said to me like, you know, what was the purpose of this really? What does it add? Like you're saying, right? And it doesn't add a whole lot, honestly. Also, the 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 risk as well, like for what little it adds to the format, the risk of it being broken is mm -hmm. obviously a, a line they toe. And it's also, again, it's just bringing us closer and closer to that powered up competitive cliff that I don't think Commander as a format wants to go in that direction. Uh, this this is why I feel it's a mistake. And it's interesting, there was an exchange I had with Gavin Verkey, and again, I, I really love and respect Gavin. I think he's a great guy, but he was in defending Jeweled Lotus, was admitting, and I props to him for admitting it, but admitting that Arcane Signet was a mistake. And, so, and, and, and I've got the tweet on yeah. screen now, but he said, we learned our lesson of Arcane Signet. I admit it was a mistake. Jeweled Lotus, he's, and it's, a lot of people are saying this is exactly the same thing. It doesn't function. You're right. Arcane Signet is quote unquote better perhaps for more decks and stuff and jeweled lotus is not an auto include but it's the same vibe of the problem it's it's on the same wavelength it's not the same type of card it is apples to oranges in terms of the card but the mistake is not apples to oranges the mistake is that that a jeweled lotus was needed at all it wasn't it just well, wasn't the, needed to the sell intent. this set. So, like it me mechanically they're quite different but you said like mistake wise they're the same and also yeah. like intent right like arcane signet whether you whether you well this is this is just this almost says this is fact people are gonna tell me i'm necessarily wrong but it was there to sell the board decks like it right. was a must including command decks to sell board decks and what the lotus is is a genuine chase mythic because even if it's not good per se even if it's not like you know the game breaking thing that everyone claims it is it's still a flashy thing with lotus in the name the art is fantastic it's a mythic it'll be on the packs probably and it will sell boxes because it's basically i said in my video today it's the Magic the Gathering card equivalent of clickbait. Like, it might not even be good, <laughs> but it gets people really excited. And look at it. I've never seen anything like it. I think this might be... I'm going to go on record. That, I said this again in the video today. The most overhyped card I've ever seen. We had, yeah. like, pros like Chapin and LSV chiming in about whether it's good. And as far as I understand it, they don't even like Commander. Like, it is wild how like, what an impact this card has had I, I, I on the really... entire ecosystem. I really had to resist snarkily <laughs> replying to some of the pros uh, uh, with like, oh, who's your commander? Who do you play? You know, I, 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 but I have to resist that urge whenever Rosewater's tweeting about commander too, because I know Rosewater does not like commander and he said as much. <laughs> and it's just like, I have, uh, it's it's like, can we, let's just like, can we hear from Josh Lee Kwai next, please? Like uh, so Rosewater doesn't like passwords. I doesn't like command. Next you're telling me it's like cake. God damn it. Guess how much beautiful things. Guess how much jeweled lotus is currently pre-selling for Vince? Hundred fifty dollars. 
Yeah. $150. Now, obviously, these are pre-sale prices. They're often exaggerated. Sometimes they're not, though. Sometimes this is what the invisible hand of the MTG finance market has set the value at and where it will maintain. Nonetheless, it is very fair to say this is going to be Unless who knows what we're going to see? Maybe next week we get to see the the the, the Moxon uh, equivalent. But, but you're, or, or, you're or the money man, like that. right? Yeah, you're the money man. What was the last card you saw come out at a price like this? Hundred fifty dollars. Gosh, I it, it, I think it's unprecedented, right? Like I I don't want to say it's for certain, but I think it is unprecedented. That if we're talking about a brand new card, like not a reprint, because like we've seen hundred fifty dollar cards reprinted, but and yeah. then they drop in value. But this is a brand new card, hundred fifty dollars. I I I think that this is unprecedented. Uh, because uh, you've got like Mox Ambers and stuff were hyped, and like already fifty bucks. They were they were like the they were fifty exactly. bucks. Fury is forty dollars. Bane Slayers were fifty or sixty at like release. Yeah. Like I can't think of anything that's gone through standard. Even the things that are either hyped and good, like Bane Slayer, or hyped and terrible to an extent, like Mox Amber. I say terrible. They had a deck, but whatever. Like I've never seen anything like this, and I think that's not because of its playability. Part of that's factoring in. People think it's very playable. I think there is this like hype train or hate train, as I was calling it. Like it is wild, and I'm yes. like, is this the end of this, or will we? Like you said, will we see the Moxon next? Will we see a Time Walk next? It's just. Uh- I'll tell I'll tell you what what comes close is actually from this year. Uh, it didn't get a lot of attention, I feel, in terms of of this. But uh, the commander precon that had fierce guardianship in it, I believe, at the mm. time that these were released, that deck was going for something around ninety dollars yeah. and up because fierce guardianship by itself was selling for, I believe, seventy five at one point. And so while that's half of what Jeweled Lotus is pre selling for, uh, uh, again. There you go. A made for this commander is bad, card. Right? Yeah, and Fierce Guardianship is, I feel, a terrible design and a terrible card and bad but for the you know game what, and that same sort of thing. But you know what thing. this means, right? You know what this means. So, like, Wizards, if Wizards are watching this video, they're going to get some this video, right? They have sold cards through Standard before that people are hyped for. Like I said, the Mox Ambers, the Bane Slayers, the Aurelius Furies. They get to $40, right? And they drive hype. They are now seeing, with dollar signs in their eyes, that Commander cards... Right. Already at pre sale, demand higher values than that. Guardianship, you're right, was like 70, 80 bucks. Um, this thing is like 150. Imagine they can then get that hype going with the Commander Moxin, which might be a thing, especially if this, you know, is, is, is well received in a month or two's time once this all calms down. And then they can do this thing where they either drive the hype for a box for it, or they can pre sell them in secret lairs to us, telling us they'll come a year later. This is just proving. This is almost roadmap. I don't know about testing the waters for EDH staples being worth way more than standard staples, and that is scary stuff in well, terms of like just ludicrous things being printed. Yeah, I, I mean, like if the if we're not going to see the Commander uh, uh, Moxon next week, we're gonna see them in the next set. Commander Legends too. This thing's gonna sell like crazy. And here's what what I don't like is that. I am sure now, because of this one card, even if there aren't Moxon next week, uh, because of this one card, boxes of Commander Legends, which were going to be only a little bit more than a draft box, are now going to be hard to find, outrageous to get a hold of, overpriced. It's going to cause prices all across the board to go up. Think about all those jumpstart cards that we can't get a hold of for Commander and how expensive they are. Think about all these original Commander cards that if if prices have gone up due to uh, uh, people doing buyouts on this, this isn't available. It, it's just what did this add? The set would have sold just fine. 
I don't know. The whole thing depresses me. I, I, I was really, and I, I, I'm serious when I say I was thinking to myself, boy, I'm going to come into this with like, wow, Wizards really pulled it out of their hat with Commander Legends. So far, it's just looking <laughs> great. And, and now I just, I feel just so but, depressed. But to be honest, though, like the whole set does look great and we shouldn't allow ourselves. I mean, I've been quite burnt out and frustrated in recent times. If anyone watching my content, sure. But we can't let one card, which might end up oh, being yeah. one no, uh... card, mar our entire set. It's not fair no. on us in terms of enjoyment of a hobby. It's not fair on the people making the game who, like, for all we know, you know, there's loads of, you know, loads of hypotheticals. Maybe this Black Lotus was forced upon them by someone higher up. Maybe it was a completely innocent, what about Black Lotus if it only cast commanders? That's fun and evocative. It and cool wasn't and, a completely you know, innocent anything. But, but but either way, even if it's one malicious mark from them trying to sell the boxes, the rest of the set is looking... I, I know. I'm thinking it's, it's looking great, honestly. So I'm trying to tell myself not to get mad about them doing one or two... Chase rares have always existed. It's as long as... Yeah, chase rares have always existed. There you go. And this is just a chase rare for Commander. Vince, we are one week through previews. If you were to give Commander Legends a grade at the halfway point of everything you've seen now, what grade would you give it? I would give it five beards out of seven. Five beards out of seven. That's pretty high praise. Pretty high praise. I just think it looks good. Right? It looks fun right now. There's a couple of cards that I'm like, oh, really? There's a couple of cards I'm like, community, oh, really? But other than that, I'm like, cool stuff that I want to play with. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's, I don't, I'm not, I'm not knocked out by it. I'll tell you that. I'm not really knocked out by it, but I'm not as upset by it. At, despite Jeweled Lotus, which it doesn't ruin this, the, like all talk aside, it, Jeweled Lotus doesn't ruin the set for me. Jeweled Lotus just it it just it just ruins my soul, I guess. Maybe it's it's like it leaves my opinion of the set just fine. It just kind of hurts my soul. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I, I feel like if I were giving a grade on this, it would be a B. It's not outstanding A, but it's it's very good. How, There's how many how many bids is it a B out of? How many how many bids out of seven is a B? Uh. Actually, I think the conversion, if we're being serious, would be five out of seven. What I see, I don't feel like we were agreeing through the episode though. I feel like there was I was trying to be I was quite optimistic, weirdly, which is not like me recently, and you weren't, but we've both arrived at the same score. Isn't that interesting? If Commander is magic now, is Commander inherently broken though as a format? And does that mean that the game of magic is inherently broken as a game? Hmm. It's a big question. That's a whole podcast episode, I think. 